If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake, because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake, except no substitute. You must have some kind of death wish Didn't really start to floss Till I was 31 Welcome to the Pop Shop Podcast Headliner Interview Edition Where each week I chat with a Inspirational, compelling voice From somewhere in the world of music my name is Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. I'm your host. My guest this week, Chris Thompson, often better known as a dude who drums in Vampire Weekend. They're on a break. They'll be back, rest assured. But he's working on his own solo project right now, and he visited me in the Billboard office in New York City. We talked about Dams of the West, the new solo project. That's what it's called. Chris is writing lyrics, singing, songwriting, playing the guitar, just making witty, catchy music. If you're into Vampire Weekend, especially their lyrics, if you're into Vampire Weekend lyrics, I think you'll really be into what Chris is doing here. The album is out early next year, aka 2017. So we talked about going solo, of course, talked about the other dudes in Vampire Weekend, what it's been like growing up with them. The past 10 years or so, getting big with those guys. Talks about what the band has coming up, so rest assured, he he assured me that they are working on a fourth album. It will exist. It is a real thing. That chatter is later on in the podcast, so keep listening. And we talked about his work with Ezra in the 2016 election, campaigning for Bernie Sanders. I should mention that this was recorded just before the election. So since that does affect the nature of our conversation, recorded before the election, putting it out now. So yeah, Chris Thompson on the Pop Shop Podcast. Would love to hear your feedback. Star rating on iTunes is super helpful, and even more helpful, specific feedback. However you feel about the show, write it in with your rating. Whatever you like, don't like, would like to see more of, we'll definitely take it into account. We love checking those out. And also, while you're on iTunes, subscribe. Get the Pop Shop podcast automatically every week. So, yeah, that's about all I have to say. I really enjoyed this chat with Chris Thompson. I love Vampire Weekend. I hope you like this one, too. So here it is, me chatting with Chris, a.k.a. Dams of the West. Chris Thompson, Dams of the West. Hello. So... Which name is most proper for this project that you have going right now? Uh, Dams of the West, I think. By, that is the officially licensed or officially decided final name. Could we? Would it be Dams of the West's Chris Thompson? Uh, These are all very oh, important inter, calls. SEO, inter- all very... Okay, <laughs> true. <laughs> I was going to optimize. Totally. Uh, you know what? I, I, I guess... I haven't seen it been used in public too much, so I don't know if I feel comfortable with it being interchangeable. If like the name is a, the band name is like a just another name for name me. for you, yeah. But uh, 
I just feel like just sticking with the band name for now feels the most comfortable. Okay. So for you stepping into solo life, doing so with that background of like the bands that was comfortable to you. Yes. I thought for any number of reasons, um, that first of all, my name's not, is a very fine name. Chris Thompson. The Thompson is spelled a little bit oddly, but that is not the most exciting of names. I don't think. So the idea of sort of really going forth into the larger world with that as my calling card mm-hmm. didn't necessarily strike me as <laughs> like the, in the SEO terms, as you just mentioned, the strongest idea. Um, so I don't know. So yeah. So I, I think that uh, the idea of a band and even though I, I made the record more or less by myself, it, it still feels like um, having it feel like a collective and like a group effort, especially as shows and moving forward, it will be. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think the band feels, the idea of the band feels more comfortable to me. Yeah. And talking about this album that just came out, I feel like, or is about to come out, I feel like we should back up a little bit for more of your story because this is so much of you stepping out from Vampire Weekend. Let's start at the beginning, man. How, how long have you just been singing, songwriting, making music on your own like this? Um, well, like this for like two years, but uh, I, you know, I, I definitely was in bands of varying degrees of seriousness, most of which quite low, uh, before Vampire Weekend. Um, and generally, I was a self-styled <laughs> Trey Anastasio acolyte back then, which I'm less so now, I would, I think. But uh, Trey Anastasio from Fish, by the way, I don't know. If, so you don't That's Trey so Anastasio. Yeah, 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 so you don't have to Google it if you don't know who that is. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that this this iteration, this um, uh, version or whatever, this approach uh, definitely has come up in the last couple years since the last Vampire Weekend tour ended. And I knew we had a bunch of time off and um, it's all sort of arisen through then using skills and approaches from before. But uh, but definitely, you know, now that I'm 32 and somewhat more mature. And was it always you singing and singing lead in these past projects? Because um, one was with Ezra. It was the Loam Run, right? Loam Run, yes. Although I, I've, <laughs> I was a, like, I think more or less officially part of that band. Although essentially, what I did was press play on a computer, <laughs> rock. There's one guitar solo, but generally like bass. Just generally like a not hype man, just like the person who starts the beat. So that yes, I was a part of that, but I was not. There was no vocal aspect to that. That's a very... That was a few years ago. That's a very 2016 role in a band. True. It's ahead of was its time. Maybe ahead of its time. Who knows? <laughs> uh, the other... The Andrew was the other the other real main guy of Lone Run. But I did... I pressed sp- the space bar very admirably, I thought. I was very good at that. Oh, I also had access to a PA, which was a real killer deal for me. Okay. So songwriting roots were sewn, laid in the ground... Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think like a lot of people do um, generally into music and sort of figuring it out as you grow up and the various forms that takes. Again, not that I took the individual acts seriously, but never with an eye towards anything careerist or, you know, just didn't really seem like that would happen to someone like me. Um, But but yeah, yeah, I think that if I look back at my high school songbook, it probably mostly sucks. But there's probably a certain frame of reference or approach to with a certain sense of humor that probably remains, although I would like to think it's a little bit more refined with a little bit more emotional content. 
uh, instead of just like shitty jokes. Oh, can I curse? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So you've been singing for a while. I mean, I've been singing since fourth grade chorus, straight up. Okay. But uh, in front of people, it, except for a couple oo-oo-oo's in Vampire Weekend shows, it's been probably a decade. Okay. Are you on any of the the albums, like, recorded doing any vocals? Vampire Weekend albums? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my good friend and bandmate Chris Bayo was on this podcast a while ago, and I feel like you could cut in his answer, and that would be the same exact answer for me. I think there was some group gang vocals sort of thing uh, of uos and potentially some hey, hey, hey's. But mm-hmm. I actually, no, I don't think I'm on that part. Uh, just mainly some uos. You know, I remember that podcast, but I'm thinking I was going to say, I remember him saying on a different podcast that he did like a couple Vampire Weekend songs and was like nervous in the studio before he did it. Well, actually, my my big, I had a chance to have more of a vocal role in Vampire Weekend, but I suck at harmonies and continue to do today. Like any harmonies that are on this record, essentially I pulled down the main one and just sang the other part. Cause it just messes me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, rem- I was in Rostam's apartment when we were working on Oxford comma and I was like, Hey, why don't you try to sing this high harmony that like, the, like on, on the, this chorus that we're working on. And like, I couldn't do it in three tries. Like, <laughs> eh, well maybe I'll just do, I'll just do it. Later. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. So I had a chance to be more vocally involved, but blew it. Totally blew it. So you're like solo or nothing. Uh, Actually, again, this this is getting ahead of ourselves probably, but I've played a couple shows as dams with with a band and stuff, and I've found it the all the other members are female, and I've actually found it surprisingly I'm surprisingly able to sing harmonies with them because the voices and the the they're it just is very different from like what I'm hearing myself sing. It's so more I can, obvious. I can where, separate yeah. easier when there's other. Uh, male singing voices that are more or less in my range I, I'm terrible at that yeah cool so let's pl- give the people a little sample of what's on this album we'll start with the first one you shared pretty sure Death Wish yes yes here's a little bit of Death Wish when they told me that Jesus was probably shorter not super thin no he didn't need to be perfect no Tried to fix the fixable things And I don't need to be perfect, no I just wanna fix the fixable things, oh So you just mentioned the first couple shows as Dams of the West. What mm-hmm. were those like? Um, uh, the first one I wouldn't say was great, but was the first one. Uh, I feel like the even though I have a, essentially a decade now of like performance context to draw from the, even just the pure act of standing is I found very unnerving and very foreign to me. I'm very used to sitting. And so any like bopping around and stuff, it's sort of in the context of sitting at a drum set with stuff in front of you, with people in front of you and sort of like a little bit removed from the eye contact that is necessary right. when you, when you step forth um, so yeah, I, I mean the first one, I definitely, I think that, that was essentially ripping the bandaid off of like, okay, this is what it is. This is what it feels like. Uh, the second, I think I've shown improvement since then. Uh, and I do, I do think actually I, it wasn't like terrible that I'm being a little bit self-deprecating, but, um, I think that 
they've gotten better and will continue to do so. And yeah, I've, I've now that I've sort of figured it out and got my footing a little bit, I'm excited to do that more and more and, uh, try to get as good as possible and present these songs and tour as much as we can. Cool. So it sort of seems like we're up to the future there, but there's a lot of backing up to do. So go back to okay. where, where okay. we sort of, let's, let's go back. We kind of had the very beginning and then the very present. So in the middle there, take me through the headspace of being on a break, I guess you could say from vampire weekend and then being like, I guess I'm writing songs. Uh, yeah, well we, we sort of all knew for, again, any number of reasons that after the Modern Vampires tour, um, we were just going to have some time off. We'd essentially done three albums more or less in a row, which took the entirety of our 20s, which is, I'm not complaining at all. I mean, it was a, a completely incredible and remains an unbelievable experience. And I think we'll continue to be so. Uh, but I think for all of us and for like, our own personal like mental space and and I think the health of the group overall that we knew some time off was necessary and that you know we were going to have that time so the last two shows we played were in the UK this these combo festivals Reading and Leeds and I took the opportunity to travel for a while with uh, my fiance at the time but we got married halfway through that trip so when I got home from that it was it was a little bit a little after the shows uh, sort of essentially got home and was like, uh, what now? Um, I knew that I wanted to do music. Obviously, that's the only thing, well, the only thing I'm really qualified to do in a professional context, I suppose. But also the, the only thing I was interested in doing. Uh, I think how it turned out to be an album is a little bit unclear. I didn't, I wanted to make very, very sure that if I put the effort into making something and like I wanted it to be worth making and releasing because of the position I find myself in. I could probably, you know, put out some stuff that maybe even wasn't well thought out or whatever. And like it, it would do something or like people would be interested just because of the band that I'm in. Uh, so it was very important to me and I didn't really, I didn't let any of the music leave my basement until I felt it was at a place where people could hear it and uh, people could, I believe see how yes I'm I play drums in Vampire Weekend but this is a different thing and uh ideally a worthwhile thing in its own right so um I was hoping it would get there wasn't sure when or if but I feel like after it took me like six eight months of staring at a piano in a basement but I think it eventually got there yeah so you had this sense of purpose even if it's not Vampire Weekend this is who I am this is what I do yeah and especially uh being in in that band that again like unbelievably did very well and is an incredible thing to have in your life and to have experienced um that being a part of a band is very much subsuming some of your like weirder instincts or uh for like the good of the group and the the interpersonal stuff uh which is generally pretty smooth with us so there was nothing ever that crazy but um but yeah, even just sort of the, that was, and I feel like I talk a lot about that on the album itself, is um, being 31 and somehow miraculously being a professional musician and, you know, what does that mean to me? Have I earned it? You know, all the big questions. It's called Youngish American. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the song, which is, the I think, the last song on the record, which is an almost a quasi-title track, the song is plural. The album is singular. 
Americans versus American. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that sort of that phrase came up and was kind of how I f- felt very in between. Like my ideal weekend was no longer like hitting the bars in North Brooklyn, you know, but it also wasn't. Let's see what's on NPR tonight. Uh, so that sort of in between zone, which, uh, you know, looking back, but kind of heading forward. Uh, I think that the ish signified that to me. Sure. And it, I think it definitely has potential to connect with a lot of people who are in that sort of late twenties, early thirties part where nowadays you still feel like you have a lot of your life and still some, a little bit of fucking around left to do, or maybe making some mistakes, but still you need to get down to business a little bit. Yeah. Or just, or like the, what, what is important to you at 32 is probably a little bit different or doesn't have to be, but probably is a little bit different than when you were 22 or 26 or 28 or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I mean, truly the, the fact that I was, I just got married, like was early thirties, got home from like essentially spending my twenties living my dream essentially that, 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 you know, sitting alone in a basement, like that was a lot of what was mm. percolating. And I, th- I feel like with, you know, some jokes and sports references, that essentially is the content of the, of the album. Yeah. So why, I get that you like the Nets a lot, but the Jersey is so, so central with like all the videos and photos you've rolled out for Dams of the West so far. So why that? Um, well, I think I've now lived in New York and it depends, depending on your perspective, you don't have to count college if you don't, because that's not like real life. But uh, I've more or less, if you can, I've been in this, in New York for like almost 15 years. But I still don't necessarily consider myself a New Yorker. Uh, I grew up in central New Jersey, um, kind of on the border of Philly commuters and New York commuters, um, or Phillies fans and Yankees Mets fans, if you will. Um and yeah, so so I I still feel like that that being close to this great city, but not a part of it, I still feel that slight disconnect, even having been here and been a part of it, and through the band, like being able to play in a lot of institutions and like and you know taking part in a lot of incredible things that are only in the city, I still feel a little bit removed from that. So I I I guess the and I'm very consciously not wearing a Brooklyn Nets jersey because it's more than New Jersey on like across the chest. It always meant a lot to me as a basketball fan, but also just as like, this is cool for that. We have this, this team like, you know, representing us. And it felt like me for, even though I, they were still there after I moved to New York. Um, so I would say no, no offense to Richard Jefferson, but probably the, the, the intent is the New Jersey more than the Jefferson 24. Um, and also I'm having to justify this, especially to my wife who thinks it's a terrible idea. Uh, like the sort of the general using the nets as like a, like a visual presentation organizing principle. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cool, weird stuff that I have. I I just have from over the years that just says New Jersey nets, um, which I don't think is a great idea, but I do think it's an idea. So I, th- I feel like having an idea is better than just sort of, well, I shrugged there. I, you couldn't see it. but <laughs> And they moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn just like you did. True. So that. True. I mean, 
it's way easier to see games now. Not that this is a sports podcast, but um, that part I enjoy. Uh, although, like I said, I still feel I enjoy the concept of the New Jersey Nets more than the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and, you know, I, I was actually having a talk with someone who's from Connecticut last night, and he was kind of saying, like, yeah, you Jersey dudes, like, you want to you want it both ways. Like, you want to pretend like you have no cred, but <laughs> still at the same time, like, you got a shitload of cred with a number of either music like Springsteen or whatever. There's a lot of stuff that, like, New Jersey means in a way that he was saying Connecticut doesn't have those signifiers. So, and I think he's 100% right. And I need to do a little self-reflection on my blind spots of my New Jersey pride. Okay. But at the moment it's still present. And that still is, yeah, is like I said, an organizing principle for the visual presentation. We can talk things out on that topic. I'm from central Jersey also. What, what town? Woodbridge. Okay. Yeah. I, my town is very small. It's called, it's called Emily's town. But essentially, if you've ever been to Six Flags Great Adventure, I I grew up five minutes from there. Okay, so by Harrison. Or no, uh, no, not Harrison. Jackson. Uh, Jackson, is, yeah. that's it, yeah. And if you went to Hurricane Six Flags Hurricane Harbor in the summer of 2002, I might have been your lifeguard. Okay, okay. Wow, so... I didn't save any lives. I, just, <laughs> I was just like sitting by the lazy river or whatever they called it, like the pushing people down the water slides. But I, you might have, yeah, if you yeah. went to Hurricane Harbor in 2002. So a lot of New Jersey lore to dig through here. Um, yeah, so I guess, and also with this idea of being grown up and not being quite grown up yet, just like wearing a basketball jersey to present a new album and roll out when a lot of artists just want to look fancy and shit. Yeah, this this one, I, I feel like the that side of the idea is very hard to say without sounding like a D-bag, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think of myself as a particularly cool person, and I'd ne- I've never particularly felt comfortable in like dressing up, say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, and I think a lot of what the mental process of I think getting to these songs to a point where I thought that they were good and authentic in a way where it felt like people could hear it, and it, even if they don't have to understand it, like I feel like this is a an accurate and um, worthwhile presentation of like the bullshit that's going on in my head. Um, so yeah, so I, th- I, I also felt that there, that is a little bit of an arch thing is like, I, I could afford a nice suit, but I don't feel comfortable in it. Uh, and I, I, there is like, there is, I feel more comfortable in a Richard Jefferson Nets jersey mm-hmm. than I do like in cool clothes. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's that, I feel like that's more about my issues than the world's. But, um, but I think you're right. Yeah, that 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 was a conscious choice. That was part of the conscious choice as well. Yeah, and plus, when Vampire Weekend first started, people gave the band such hell for just the clothes they wore presenting themselves. Right. Which, um, again, you know, like that was also a conscious decision. And I think as time progressed, became somewhat, or at least the initial, the initial thrust of the idea became less important, and it sort of morphed and, you know, was able to change. But I mean that—that's definitely. I've only really been in one band that w- was worth being in so far. No offense to my bluegrass band, <laughs> um, you know. So I—I I mean, a lot of these impulses or things that I'm trying to think about definitely are. I'm thinking of 2007, 2006, 2008, where like when we made collectively, or sometimes. I wasn't part of the decision, but like, you know, we talked about it and like, this is how we're going to approach things. Cool. Uh, but 
sort of being aware that while music is very obviously audio based, there is a very the visual part of it is a huge part of it. And to sort of not try to at least have, as I said, not a great idea, but an idea there is like you're not creating the full world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the generally, even if I look really stupid, I made a conscious choice mm-hmm. to look if you to look stupid, I guess. Like I'm I don't do this every day in, in real life, but like as I'm presenting things as this band, uh, I ideally everything is somewhat thought out. Yeah, and then, then on the, the album cover for the Dams of the West album, you're sort of like a giant superimposed version of you standing, I guess, in the West. Yes, uh, that, I don't actually know where that is. That that was um, a friend's, friend's photo. Uh, I was working with this artist uh, named Jake Longstreth, mm-hmm. um, and he had that picture, and my initial idea for the album cover was to have, to take that landscape picture, and just uh, like throw, I don't know, somewhere between seven and 20 CTs out there. Okay. <laughs> uh, was essentially kind of leaning into the solo idea and the fact that I played all the instruments, you know, more or less that that was my way of sort of like signifying, yeah, it's a solo album, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, but like, but I think sort of having a sense of humor about it and being like, yeah, this is what it is. But he, he, we tried that and had a few versions of that. And then he sort of came to me with the, with the totemic CT. I was like, I think this is way better. <laughs> and I, yeah, I slept on it, and I said, you know what, Jake? You're right, man. That's way better. So uh, that actually was not my idea at all, but I, I think the, there, again, there's, there's a surrealness to it, a, like a, a weird, sort of weirdness to it, but it still sort of leans into, like, the solo thing, and, like, yeah, because that's what it is, you know? And this is Jake from Dirty Projectors, for those listening. Yeah, uh, Jake, w- Jake is Dave's brother. But, oh, he's on, okay. But he, Jake and... I got the mix up because I know him from Ezra's podcast. He's yes, always on, yes. or his radio show. Yes. Yeah. Um, he also, I mainly got to know Jake this past year from doing a few, we don't, I don't think this is a particularly fertile issue for a Billboard podcast, but doing a few Bernie Sanders events. Uh, Jake and Dave came and played with Ezra and me and Bayo played one. Um, so yeah, so I got to know him over the year and I, he, just his paintings have this, there's generally like one element it's a lot of western like landscape stuff but there's one element that always makes it a little bit weird and like a little uh-huh. bit haunting uh so i thought his tone was like kind of fit a tone that i feel like that my album had so yeah we worked together and i think i think it came out i think it came out well although i mean yeah i, I feel like i've already seen like some tweets about how like it looks fucking stupid but <laughs> that's fine generation inspired by oregon trail true i mean that I feel like do kids is that still a thing, or like someone who's I, maybe like, say, just through 22. memes like younger kids maybe okay, just like I think the you have died of dysentery has kind of endured as a meme. Oh, that, oh, that okay, that's yeah, the for me. <laughs> just things like that. I, I don't think they're actually playing that in okay. schools anymore. Do they still ford the river? That was the most fun part, like dodging the things. Uh, <laughs> and you could pick like a different pace. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, so, all right, yeah, but I, I think that, that that's not not part of it. But also, I mean, the idea of the West, and this is with the band name and that view, is, you know, being from New Jersey, which I love, the idea of the American West is very is very fertile to my imagination anyways, of like, man, that's crazy, that's so different from here, you know? Uh, and mm-hmm. whatever, I grew up on a farm in New Jersey, so a little bit separ- like, a little bit different than, like, I think what most people's conception is, but... um. 
but yeah, I mean that sort of the that idea and that like the first time on our first tour when we drove through like the Arizona, New Mexico, Montana, dif- the different parts of the West was just like mind boggling that, oh yeah, I guess it's real. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's drop in another song. Here's a little bit more of Dams of the West. You're going to love this one. <laughs> So would you say your album is better than Bayo's? I would never say anything of the sort. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, you're, you're saying that in a, in a joking way, but uh, I do think that the, the, the sort of that narrative of competition is like completely false for me. Anyways, I, I you know. I don't know if you asked him that question. He might really go in. Well, your thing wasn't out yet. He might really go negative. I didn't I'm know saying no, gonna... next time oh, I'm talking, okay. he might really yeah. go negative on me. In which case, I'll amend this answer, but for <laughs> now. Um, and no, even like with like the Rossman Hamilton album that just came out, I think that one's really awesome. I, I don't think of it as, as a competition. I mean, I, I truly, I've said this before, but I think of those guys as, I don't have any biological brothers, but I think of those guys as, as close as I'll probably come to that despite periods of you know probably vague acrimony or like complete closeness you know as those Mm -hmm. relationships go um i i think that we are all doing different things as would make sense because we're all very different people which i can confirm if you thought we're all the same person that's not true um so yeah i i don't i i i've seen bayo play i know he's he's playing new york soon uh, I'm really excited to to go see that and see him play again. Um, I went to Rostam show with Hamilton at Rough Trade. For me, which I'm the only member of Vampire Weekend that I'm allowed to speak for or should speak for, uh, I I think it's you know I think it's all good, and I also think it in a long in a lot of ways it enhances the health and viability of Vampire Weekend going forward. I think if there was no release valves or or i just think as as we get older and to do to approach a band now as when the same when we were 23 i think would be like hard to make work um so i think this is you know all of this stuff is a natural outcropping of of growth of i believe you know mutual respect amongst all of us so yeah um, but yeah my album's way better than bass <laughs> That was a joke. That was a JK. <laughs> but what was it like when you found out the news that Rostam wouldn't be in the band anymore? Um, well, I, I had heard that. I knew that for yeah, a while. Yeah, I would think so. Um, but, you know, I think I personally felt bummed. I, you know, I, I sort of liked the idea of, you know, the classic phase being the only phase. Uh, you know, like the sort of the original member sort of thing, but you know, I I would never put words in his, in his mouth or like speak to the reasons why he made that decision. Uh, but I think, I mean, yeah, I like, I 
I, I feel like we, like he had sort of said and brought it up and hadn't, I th- we'd, after this point had like more serious talks and like, and heard about it. And I love that guy. I hope he does very well. And like I said, I just saw him play and he seemed really happy on stage and like, yeah, I was there too. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Cool. Then, yeah, I mean, that's all I could ever hope for, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did definitely, if you look at the tapes from, uh, you check the books on Bonnaroo 14. Yeah. Bonnaroo 14. I was there as well. Okay. <laughs> Well, then I was getting a little emotional that show because really? that, that was fresh for me. And, you know, this is this is maybe getting a little revealing too much, but I'm a bit of a crier straight up. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just remember like playing that show being like, fuck, man, like this is weird to this thing that's been a, a constant and this like governing factor for my entire adult life is like going to change and change is weird and change can be painful. And, this, you know. Even even if there's nothing you can do about it, or even if it's the right choice for everyone involved, um, I don't think I shed tears, but I definitely was like feeling it. I was feeling it. So yeah, I don't. I have no idea what exists from that show, a video in a video sense. Huh. Um, but at this point, I mean, that was now two plus years ago. Like he's doing his thing. You know, everyone's doing their own respective things. There's still a, a lot of collective stuff to come. So. Um, you know, I, I think Rossum's happy and I think he's doing what he wants and that's all I would want for him. Was it just that Rossum had a talk with you guys? Um, uh, any, as, as I think we've always done, there were any number of talks, yeah. uh, with, in any number of configurations of the four of us and, mm-hmm. and the people we work with and stuff. Um, actually my, our good friend, who lives in Vampire Weekend, Laura's buddy Herms, whose name is Matt, uh, who drove us in his mother's van to our first non-New York City show back in 06 Syracuse. Um, He ended up being there and just, like, hanging out and, like, just coming to Bonnaroo, whatever, on the bus. Um, So, yeah, like, it was just kind of this thing that came up and, you know, and so I I think we all processed it in our different ways, including Rostam. I think it was... Uh, no, again, I can't speak for him at all. But um, but yeah, so uh, that that was um, I think because it was so new, it just felt like 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 I said, like change can be weird, and so I was feeling it particular that day. But you know, I think everyone, I think everyone has sort of like grown and is cool with it, and it just kind of is what it is. And you said conversations, good, bad, they move things forward. I've heard that there have been at least conversations about new music going forward. So where is that at at this point? Um, yeah, well, I think, uh, I think the be- the only way to put it right now, because saying anything more than this puts an un- undue burden on like timing and and Ezra and stuff. But work is being done. Mm-hmm. Like LP four will exist. When that will happen, I cannot say. Okay, but. And again, this is also true in different configurations, some of which I'm a part of, some of which I'm not. Like, a lot of work is being done. Uh, so I, if you're stressed out, not that you should, I really hope you have more personal things that, that you know, <laughs> issues at play that are either good or bad. But if you are, for whatever reason, stressed out about Vampire Weekend's fourth record, it, it's being worked on. Is the working title really Mitsubishi Macchiato, or is that a joke? <laughs> uh 
It sounds like a Vampire Weekend album. I, you know what? Again, that's that's a question for Ezra. Uh, if I think I can say I don't, I don't think that's a bad title. I can say that. It's. I, I think it's a good title too. I mean, I think it's very Vampire Weekend, and that it makes me laugh, but in a good way. Like ah, those well, guys. Good. We we don't want to make you laugh in the bad way because we hate doing that. We like making people laugh in a good way. Well, yeah, it's like what I was saying about the the album art for them. Mm-hmm. So it's all in a good way, like charismatic laughing with them. I think humor is is one of the the best emotional delivery systems for mm-hmm. me for me personally. So we were talking about these early shows, and the, the other guys have like Bayo and Ezra Rostam been able to catch you live yet? Uh, thus far, no. But I think that's only for geographic reasons more yeah. than anything else. I've only played in New York. There's a, there's a really cool bar on Lower East Side called Berlin uh, and a place on Bedside called Come On Everybody. We're kind of done a th- sort of <laughs> right the circuit. Um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's been super fun to, to, like, to f- figure it out again, to feel vulnerable again yeah. a little bit, to like, Oh, all right, just starting this again. It's it's not the same thing. Although now a couple of shows into it, I feel like I can I can take things that I've learned and internalized over the last ten years of drumming in Vampire Weekend that are applicable in this different setting. But it's, yeah, it's still like kind of interesting, kind of fun. Like it's not all great, but I think it, you know uh, I think that it will get there for sure. Who have you been playing with? Um, generally, friends of friends. This was actually sort of interesting and a little bit of a reality check was when my mind is very linear, so I didn't actually do anything about this until like the album was totally done. Uh, it was just like it was like hard for me to like work on both at once. Um, so yeah, so when I was like, oh, cool, album's done, tight, let's play some shows. And then I don't know any musicians. <laughs> uh, I think Vampire Weekend, we always were somewhat up our own little world. Like we had friends and like, you know, new people in other bands, but it was never felt like I had like a, or any of us had a true like scene of musicians where we could just like jam. Hey, you want to play, man? Um, so yeah, so was, and also I haven't, you know, I haven't <laughs> lived in Williamsburg for a while. Uh, so yeah, so essentially it's sort of through various means, friends of friends, there are three, three ladies, female musicians that are, that fill out the band that are great. Uh, I'm really excited to hopefully like, you know, grow the shows a little bit and, and get out there and tour. Not, not New York, not New York only shows. That's definitely not an intent. That's just Mm -hmm. sort of where I am, where we are. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just some friends of friends who, who do the, who do other stuff and are, you know, musicians, but, um, uh, yeah, and I, I hope that I hope that they're enjoying it. I don't know if they're listening, but I hope you're having fun too. <laughs> and you worked on the album with Patrick Carney from the Black Keys. What I did. was that like? It was dope, man. He's he's uh, he's a good dude. I think actually, again, our good friend. I can say our good friend. Our good friend Chris Bayo. Sure. Uh, I was playing him some demos, and I again, in sort of the linear sense, I hadn't really thought about like what's next. Like the songs were almost done. And he was like. Oh, dude, you know who'd be good? Patrick Carney. Like it was no big thing, and I just been. I, I just so happened that I was watching going through the BoJack, Oove, and I really liked the theme song that he did for the BoJack Horseman, the Netflix cartoon. Um, 
And so I was like, oh, that song's really cool. I think it sounds really cool. Bayo generally is right about these things. So I reached out, and luckily enough, he he like had some time and was like, he seemed to like the tunes and stuff. I think that he... He, uh, I think I underestimated like what he did in the Black Keys, I think, and which is total bullshit because as a drummer, you know, you probably should give that <laughs> as a drummer, but I f- fell into the trap. Um, but yeah, he was he was great. We worked with his, his guy Roger, who, who's had the studio for a long time in Nashville. Um, two like two week zones down there, one mainly tracking, and the, like the second one for mixing. Uh, I couldn't have asked for a better. I think interpersonal person and then just musical person. Also, I, 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 I w- I'll go to bat at any point for for Carney. Cool, yeah, because he's worked with a ton of people. I mean, he's worked with Lana Del Rey. Yeah, he's been he's been so diverse with who he's collaborated with. Well, I think he's he's an honest. He's like, he's just like a good dude, but then he's also really talented. So, so I think that that makes it easier and I think yeah. his range is quite wide of who would be interested in working with him actually that I have to fact check myself I think that was Dan Auerbach who worked with Lana I think that is true but the uh, record that I liked last year that was also like when I was like looking up at like what he'd worked with and stuff was um Tobias Jesso Jr.'s yeah. album I thought that album was really cool and it turned out he only did a couple songs on that but um but yeah yeah I, I again I think also Pat and I, we had a, being drummer dudes, we had a lot in common. So I think we, even though I hadn't, I'd like met him in passing before, like we could sort of jump right into it and, and like there were a lot of intro levels of social stuff that we kind of like felt like we had in common. So we could sort of get to work really quickly. He seems like a snarky guy. That's not the case. Really? He's very, very genuine. And it doesn't have to be bad, like a funny talk talkative person i think he he also similar to me enjoys humor and laughing and trafficking in humor uh but i actually i i feel like you're probably getting that sense from his like twitter feed or like is that bieber shit or whatever but um yeah because like from my perspective as a music journalist he's someone who gives interesting interviews that you wind up writing about who gives like good stuff for people like us to work with well i think i think he's he's an extremely nice guy but i also think that he isn't afraid to like say what he's thinking. Right. Um, which, you know, makes good copy. Good copy. What else? Oh, I, you, you mentioned the, uh, the playing the Bernie Sanders rallies. Yes. I w- was wondering what those were like, especially the first one that you and Ezra did out, or I think it was the first, the one in Iowa, right Iowa before the, the big one. caucus. What was yeah. that like? Cause that was right in the, the middle of, Bernie just on a big wave of momentum, the opening caucus start of that season. What was that night like? Um, that was one of the one of the most like unmitigatedly or that's a, that's not that's even a real word. <laughs> There's like, like three like cool. just, just look syllables it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll add just we'll make it work, but we'll fix that in post. Uh, but it was just a sincerely, completely positive room. Which, even at like Vampire Weekend shows, you know, like this was just there was a feeling there which um, I wasn't used to in a large gathering of people, uh, or you know, a sports game <laughs> where there's a lot of negative energy at play. Uh, it was just very, I think, again, as you mentioned, because it was a few days before the vote, no one had won or lost yet, so it was 
everyone was extremely hopeful. Everyone, I think, was extremely positive. And I think one of the things that people responded to with Bernie and, you, you know, I think you can like my you can like this album without liking Bernie Sanders. You don't have to be a socialist to listen to Dams <laughs> of the West. Um, but he, we met him very, very briefly, like essentially like a picture and stuff. But even like watching him interact with people who weren't us, uh-huh. uh, he seemed like a reg, like an actual person. And I think a lot of politicians, when they get to that high level, they're so guarded or they got burned at different points in their career. So they're <laughs> no pun. Know, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, you know, that like that they, you know, it's just, it's hard to relate to them as like, I think getting a beer with a politician is like a really silly construct, but just like having a conversation with them and yeah. feeling like you could shoot the shit. Uh, he, he struck me like that in person as well. Again, I had zero conversation with him. Essentially just heard him talking to like his, his people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he seemed like a real person and that, in a lot of ways, I think was a lot of people were responding to and still respond to. Yeah. Have you kept up with interest in the election? Uh, of course. Yeah. I guess. How can you not? Yeah. I actually already voted. I'd send it a absentee. Yeah. yeah. I won't tell. I won't tell. <laughs> That's my right to not tell. Mm. Green party. My lips are sealed. <laughs> Are you in all seriousness? Are you worried at all? Like, how do you feel about Hillary? Actually, well, yeah, but by the time this podcast runs, it still will not have been the election yet. So, um, I mean, I feel like if you run the numbers, you could probably guess who I'm voting for. Um, but it's super depressing the whole thing on both sides, kind of like the just the tone is so whack, the tone is so sort of universally denigrating it's just like it's just a bummer man uh yes i i i hope one side wins but i also that doesn't mean that if one side wins that all the people that are like super fucking hyped and like upset and pissed off and already feel disenfranchised are gonna like just throw out their hands and be like okay it's cool the other other side won let's do it but that's obviously not going to, you know, yeah. that's not going to happen. So, I mean, that, that my biggest takeaway is that, uh, there's a lot of work to do of which I am capable of none of it. <laughs> uh, but you know, you, you know, it's, it's hard to be positive, hard to even like, even, yeah, it's, it's very hard to like, look into like, look into a few years in the future and be like, you know, it's just going to turn around. It's just going to be tight. It's very hard to feel that way. Yeah. And I think since growing up in the 90s and internalizing politics at that age, attitudes in America, it's just changed so much. Yeah. And a lot of it is, like you were saying, not in a good direction. So that, yeah, I mean, again, I voted for one person and not the other, but uh, it's still a fucking bummer, the whole thing. Well, you got up there and saying this land is your land, so... <laughs> that was super dope. I mean, again, <laughs> like, that that's why it was almost for someone my age who especially with like internet shit like there's just a so much ingrained cynicism and so much like you're you're told or you feel like you're supposed to be wary of such earnest positivity yeah but in the room it it felt cool and i mean you know i feel like i saw like late night people make fun of it at certain points and it, it is like still sort of like a funny image of 
this song very incongruous for you know what's going on elsewhere but uh but yeah that that's i think that's what i that's what i remember that's what i reacted to the most was just sort of this like wow we're really singing this land is your land and like this isn't a joke to anyone this is awesome why why can't people do this more often <laughs> i guess you don't have such you have sing-alongs a vampire weekend show but not as earnest <laughs> it's like it's not as like earnest towards a cause certainly yes there there are there are times when people are yelling Ezra's words back at him simultaneously but I, the feeling is, is is a bit a little bit mm-hmm. different still just as cool that i get to be a part of that but yeah cool so i think i touched on most of what i wanted to touch on with the album and everything is there anything else you want to talk about um i mean i feel like you know we hit we hit all the high points all of my bullet points which i'm contractually obligated to mention a little bit of new jersey discussion a little bit of sports but not too much because that turns people off uh the politics was sort of a bonus a bonus end game uh yeah i think i think we covered it all um, awesome Damn, damn, I don't know. This is like the the third interview I've done. I, I, what is that like? What is it like doing? Because you've done press with like Ezra before, but what is it like just doing press as the main person? Well, you can't take mental breaks. <laughs> which yeah. I, I, if, I'm sure if you look at footage of full band interviews, I'm sure my mind is wandering <laughs> almost all the time. Unless there's a question like... Or someone's asked like, so about Oxford commas, and you're just like... Ugh. Or... Well, I mean, at a certain point, there are questions become narratives in and of themselves, and you know that they're going to be asked. And I think at this point, I don't really know what's going to be asked. Uh, But no, I mean, I think like my role, and this was never explicitly stated, just sort of like everyone intuited it, that the only questions I really took back in the day were like, so what's this like very logistic? So what's this tour like? How's how's the show's going? Well, man, tour's been going great. Uh, The show's (laughs) been going great. Uh, So yeah, so this one, you know, I have to answer the more conceptual ones also. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I said, I'm still kind of figuring out. So I... I will leave this podcast having kind of no idea how well or shitty, shittily I did. So, and you, that's I'm not fishing for either one <laughs> from anyone in this room, but uh, yeah, who fucking knows? Yeah, and one more thing I just thought of: we were talking about growth a lot and looking back. I was wondering how much do you think you've changed just as a person since Vampire Weekend started? Oh man, uh, I think in some ways a ton. But I also think in sort of some like bedrock important ways, not at all. Uh, I'm sure that I probably could do more and or less of both of those mm-hmm. to, for some ideal mix. But, um, you know, I think you I mean, my best friends are still like my friends from high school, essentially, um, which was that was always important to me to, to keep that up. And I've made friends along the way. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I am probably the the slowest to change for any vampire weekends member. Huh. I'm just a very, not a Luddite, but just like, I was the last jackass to get a smartphone. Like all, like all this like dumb, like not necessarily important stuff, but I feel like that's manifested itself in important stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that I retain some, some pure youthful idealism, but at the same time, you know, I think everyone change. There's an ine- inevitable changes, and straight up, I mean, like I said, like I said, in a couple different contexts, I think in this delightful podcast interview, I mean, I fucking lived my dream for the entirety of my twenties. So it's it's like it's hard, and it wasn't all like super positive stuff. But 
it's really hard for me to, to you know, I want to feel like I've earned it. I want to feel like I'm someone who finds himself, thinks himself as lucky to be in this position. Like I don't want to like take it for granted. Uh, so, and I, again, I think that's a lot of what's on the album. This album itself is like me working through that shit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think I, I, I think I'm really excited about Dems of the West and sort of getting it out there and making it its own world. But that said, I'm also very excited to fucking play a punk again, whenever that is. And, you know, work on the record and put that out. Um, so I'm doing, I'm doing well. So thanks for asking. (laughs) You know, that question might be easier to answer from the outside. So how do you think like the other three, how do you think they've changed the most? Oh, maybe um, that is harder. Bayo, Bayo's way healthier. He runs a ton. Okay. I mean, I, that's hard. I mean, because that's inevitably that like feels like critical in a way. I, you know, I, I, I'm sure that they could give, they could probably answer that question about me uh-huh. way better than I can. And that's also why it's hard to like. I don't think I have a very good perspective on Vampire Weekend like in the world because I've been, you know, it's I've been so close to the center and like and a part of it that actually and, and that's this first extended time off like that was when I not having played a show for say 18 months like you think about the shows differently and you sort of realize how crazy how fucking insane it is to play the drums for upwards of like tens of thousands of people which is not every show obviously that's like festivals you know we don't pay for that many shows on a nightly basis that many people on a nightly basis but um that feels weirder the the further you get away from it and also feels scarier to do it again because if you're sort of doing it and like not thinking about it and like not letting yourself have the context like you can just do it and it's not a big deal but i'm already i was saying this last night that i'm already like kind of a little bit terrified of playing the first vampire weekend show because it'll it'll just be so much bigger not no no not even that so much but just more like haven't done in a while like can i still do this like uh the neuroses will have set in yeah where if you're sort of doing it head down you don't really if if you can you sort of try not to let those get in the mix those first the title track when you sit down to drum mitsubishi macchiato right we'll definitely open with that for sure <laughs> that i can also guarantee now I, I don't know word well thanks so much for coming by this is yeah. fun thanks for having me go nuts <laughs> it's gonna be tough this year though i i don't have a basketball team i'm not i can't hate <laughs> I know they're going to be bad, but. Vampire Weekend's Chris Thompson. As Oxford Comma playing us off, he's a really smart, funny guy, and I think that really, really comes through in his songwriting as Dams of the West. I think it came through on the podcast, so check out the album, I think. If you enjoy what vampire weekends about if you enjoy what chris is about you'll really be into this and you know he's never really shared his his own singing his own music like this so i'm sure it's a very revealing exciting time for him so check out the album it's really good i assure you my favorite track track one on the album actually didn't even get to play on the show so there's a lot more good stuff where that came from check it out and as far as his podcast goes Pop Shop Podcast runs a couple times every week on Billboard. Keith and Katie will be back with their episode in a couple days. I'll be back with my headliner interview next Thursday, as usual. It's Glass Animals next week, so till then, I'll catch you later.